It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. As uh, Brother Mario was talking about a house divided against itself, 49ers and Rams, uh, I take great pride and really honored that um, one of our own out of Mission Ebenezer will be representing us on the field of Super Bowl next Sunday. I am very proud to say that uh, Pastor Kevin Nickerson is the spiritual director and chaplain of the Los Angeles Rams. You can clap better than that. You can clap better than that, church. Please. You know, I, I was, you know, we're back, and I'm thankful. Aren't you thankful that we have a representative? And very proud. Uh, uh, Pastor Kevin has led, our youth has led uh, our uh, Game Breakers ministry with the young men, powerful ministry uh, here at church, and uh, we're so happy. I'm always looking for him on the sideline, um, talking to people, and, and take great pride in that. But the Canales, Nickerson, not Nickerson, the Canales household is divided down three ways. Okay, you know I had to say that. Because uh, Dave Canales, Pastor Dave was here before, is the quarterback coach of the Seattle Seahawks. You clap better. Come on, church. This is, this is the church clap, not a team clap. And so uh, we're, we're thrilled about that. We just came back from Seattle last week. We're thrilled about that. And, and no offense, we take great pride that although we did not even make it to the playoffs. We beat the 49ers two times this season. Oh, that hurts. But a uh, small consolation, isn't it? Uh, and we got to all watch it on TV now. But we're just really glad to uh, have that representation on the Rams. So we say congratulations to Pastor Kevin. Uh, give him a big hand clap right now and congratulate him. How great is our God? I can't get that out of my soul right now. That uh, COVID is on the way out, but Jesus is on the way in. Clap better, clap better. You see, now, we're barely coming back to church, and, and we're be, be, barely beginning to learn how to clap right. So let's start clapping right. Let's hear it one more time for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it should sound like. That is what it should sound like. So let's get ready to come back and, and, and welcome back our friends and family that have not been to church for a while for fear of COVID. Uh, somebody said that uh, their family was sick and they had come down with COBA. I said, what? 
said, it come down with COVID. COVID. Somebody else said they had COVID. And I'm just waiting for somebody to name their kid COVID. Jeez. But uh, besides that, I'm just glad that this, this demon from hell, this pestilence, is being driven out by people of prayer. The Lord saw us through. I don't think there's a family in the world that wasn't touched by this thing. But God is our refuge. God is our refuge and strength in time of trouble. When we're in trouble, we run, we run, we run to God. He is our refuge. Psalms 91 and verse 2 says this, church. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Let me say that one more time. You want to hear it one more time? I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. I want to focus today on the word refuge. In Latin, refugere, which means almost to like, be a backward fugitive. Refugere. And... Um, the word comes from the Old Testament before the psalm was written. Moses, the man of God, the most humble man of all time, and Joshua, uh, Moses' mentee, established cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. Now the operative word this morning is refuge. Everybody say refuge. 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 And Moses and Joshua established cities of refuge in the land of Israel. In Joshua 20, uh, the word of the Lord says, And the Lord spoke unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Assign you cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. Assign cities of refuge. Are you listening, church? Are you paying attention? Assign cities of refuge of which I spoken to you by the hand of Moses. That the slayer, the slayer who kills any person unintentionally. Does everybody understand what unintentionally means? It means by accident. It means unpremeditated. It means without hatred. It means without vengeance. It means by accident, which means that that type of death was what we call today manslaughter. You, everybody listening? And it says that the slayer, so everybody knows now what the slayer is, right? The one who kills by accident. Let's say an axe head slipped off the axe while they were chopping wood. And it caused grievous injury to a bystander. And the bystander's family 
wanted to get even for the accidental death and went after the slayer to kill the slayer out of vengeance from the family. They call them the avenger. Now, those of us who live in the city, those of us who uh, are accustomed to the violence uh, in this great metropolis called Los Angeles, we know about uh, gang slayings and we know about getting even. We know, we know about getting even. We know about the drive-bys to get even and the accidental deaths uh, caused by the drive-bys. We're, we're, we're well accustomed to shots going on in the park while we're practicing. Uh, we're, we're, we're accustomed to that kind of violence called drive-bys, aren't we? Okay, we know what that's like. Many communities don't know what that's like. But we do. And we know what the avenger is. Uh, who kills, but anyone who kills someone unintentionally, the scripture says, and without premeditation may flee there, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. Is everybody following? And when the one who does flee unto one of those cities of refuge shall stand at the entrance of the gate and knock and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of the city. And the elders shall take him into the city with them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Later on in the scripture, we read that there was six cities of the 48 cities that Moses had apportioned to the Israelites, to the Levites, I mean. The Levites were not allowed to own land because their portion was the Lord. Their portion was the Lord. They didn't land or property. They belonged to Jesus. And Jesus belonged to them. So every tribe was to give the Levites, the people that ran the worship of God in all the cities, the ones that sang and praised God, the ones that uh, established the program for the worship of God, and the sacrifices for atonement. They were given cities. They weren't their own, but they were giving cities in which they would conduct the worship. Of those 48 cities, six of them were called cities of refuge scattered from the north part of Israel from the tribe of Dan all the way down to the south side of the Dead Sea. Three of those cities were on the left side or the west side of the Jordan River, 32 miles apart from each other to make the cities easily accessible to the person running away from the avenger of death. On the east side of the river, are you paying attention? Did you come here to listen or to go to sleep? I can't tell from your mask. Please don't go to sleep on me. On the east side of the River Jordan, there was three cities as well. Okay? Uh, on the west side uh, of the River Jordan, uh, one city was Kadesh Barnea, Another city was uh, Hebron, and another city was Shechem. On the east side, 
of the River Jordan towards Jordan, the country Jordan, was Bezer, Gilead, and Golan, the Golan Heights that uh, Israel took from Syria in the Six-Day War, the Golan Heights. In those days, in the ancient days, Golan belonged to the children of Israel. Now let me focus on the city of Gilead. The city of Gilead was a city of refuge, one of the three on the east side of the River Jordan. Are you following me? This is a lesson in history and geography. We are going somewhere with this. City of Gilead, Gilead, that was known for balm. In fact, there's a Negro spiritual that says there is a balm in Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead to set the sin sick free. So whoever of the fugitives that were running from the avenger who came to that refuge city of Gilead, they found healing in the city. They found anointing in the city. They found ointment in the city. And they found worship in the city. And they found fellowship in the city. And if they didn't know him, they found the God of Israel in the city in mercy and in faithfulness. Should clap right there. You should clap right there. Not for me, but for God. What it meant to find refuge in one of these cities. Are you listening? Okay, pay attention. What you found in the city of refuge was peace from the avenger. You found forgiveness. You found the cleansing of your guilt. You found restoration and atonement for your sin before God. It was a hiding place from violence. Each of these cities was connected by highways that were kept up clean and free of debris for easy access to the fugitive running from the avenger. Along the highways of each of these cities, between them, for 32 miles, respectively, there was a sign. Pay attention. There was a sign all along the way that said, Meklat, Meklat. Everybody say Meklat. Meklat, it means refuge. It means a hiding place. And the signs were well lit. Like we have signs on the freeway. All along the way in the United States of America, we have wonderful signage on our freeways and on our highways. They may need a little work in terms of infrastructure, but the signs are there. Unless you're on Main Street over there in Long Beach and there by Bernie School, there's a sign that's hidden by a tree. If you're not careful, you could run through that stop sign going north away from Boomi's house. But these signs were well marked. And whoever was running from the avenger ran to the city of refuge. Where there was calm, where there was peace, where there was security. When there was protection from the avenger. When there was a, 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 a shadow to cover them uh, in the daytime. And uh, where there was fire 
that would protect them at night. And so when, when I think about uh, refuge, when I think about the balm of Gilead, when I think about where this song came from, from the heart of Negro spirituals that were slaves in this country for over 400 years. They were victims of oppression. They were victims of hatred. Uh, they were slaves without pay. They were bought in the marketplace like people bought a horse. And they suffered uh, in plantations by people that were Presbyterian Christians, by people that were good Baptists, by people that were good Methodists, by people that were uh, religious and had every form of religion except that they made slaves out of the black people and, um, and, and forced them uh, to labor without pay for generations. That's in the history of America. We don't like that history. But that history is true. And it's real. And it's ugly. And it's horrible. And there's no place for that type of hatred and that type of oppression. Not only in the church of Jesus Christ, but in America as a whole. I'm so proud of one of my granddaughters as I was reviewing my message for her as a captive audience. Since she wanted to stay over, she had to hear my message. Poor thing. And I said, have, have you heard of Martin Luther the King? She goes, y we, I have, Papa. He brought freedom. Go, Amen. And what else? And he said, you're not supposed to look at people's skin. But you're supposed to look at their heart. And I said, yes, ma'am, keep on. Amen. And I said, do you mean that saying that Martin Luther the King said that a person is not to be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character? Yeah. She goes, that's it, but I didn't know the words, Papa. And I said, well, you're done good enough. I'm glad you were listening at your elementary school. So proud. So proud then I'm glad that we have a church here. We're not driven by hatred. Get that straight. We're not driven by ideology. Get that straight. Our sermons aren't issue-driven in terms of politics. We've never preached one thing over another as far as philosophy is concerned. Our concern is to open our doors of our church as a place of refuge for people that are broken by divorce, for people that are subject to oppression and hatred. You better clap for people that are running from their countries seeking amnesty, seeking the covering of people that love them, for people that are coming here because they have a relative that just was shot and killed in the neighborhood. For someone that's dying of cancer. For someone that's dying of anything else. For people that are struggling in life. For a sin-sick soul. A person that's looking for forgiveness like Brother Mario was saying. This is a place 
Mission Ebenezer is a place that has for years been a house of refuge for the sin-sick soul, and we will continue to be a house of refuge for the broken, the downtrodden, the poor, the oppressed, the ugly. In heart, in heart. In heart. If you're going to a pretty church and you don't feel comfortable, come here. We got everything. Everything behind the mask that's unimaginable. Now, I thank God in a way. I thank God for COVID. I thank God, man. Some folk can keep that mask on. I'm serious. Hide that nose. Man, I always wanted a thinner nose like Mario's nose. So, like, for a long time, like, I would always, like, be pinching my nose, pinch my nose, you know, when nobody's looking at it, I'll pinch my nose, and it just swells up again. Pinch it down, and it swells up. Finally, I started looking for people with wide noses that were geniuses, astronauts, doctors. Now I'm comfortable with my nose. I thank God for my nose. The better to smell you with, my dear. Now, let's get serious. Let's get serious. You know, I was thinking of this idea of refuge. There is refuge and then there's false refuge. Refuge and false refuge. False refuge is to try to find your comfort in drugs. False refuge is trying to find a comfortable place in hating someone. You just feel good when you hate. That's not the way Christians are. We forgive and we have mercy in Jesus' name because he had mercy on us. And when we were sinners, he forgave us of our sins. Who are we not to forgive others? Therefore, we're not a place of judgment. If you're a person of judgment, you just walked in the wrong church. You walked into, you walked into the wrong place. This is a house of mercy for the broken sinner. This is a house of refuge for the person running from hatred and oppression. We embrace one another. We don't exclude each other. That's who we are. And that's what refuge is. You know, I remember one time... Uh, that uh, my wife, in the old days of the church, when we used to take care of gangsters in our home that were run away from the, of their families. At gunpoint, some just ran away. And at one time, uh, Pastor Josh and Koba will, will let you know that there were gangsters that they had to share their bedrooms with. Because we believed that God could change them. He changed some by his grace and others he didn't change completely. But everybody that came through our home left the better for it. Because they left knowing the precious name of Jesus. We just got a call from, go ahead and clap good on that one. We just got a call, uh, we just got a, call uh, a couple of weeks ago from one of the gangsters that stayed at our home from a very violent, violent gang. And they got a call. We got a call at Christmas. 
He said, Merry Christmas, Mom and Dad. You believe that? That almost made me feel like crying. He said, Merry Christmas, Mom. Then he started crying. He goes, how are you doing, man? He goes, I'm a chef at a restaurant in Alabama. I said, are you okay there? Because I'm okay. I have a beautiful wife and two kids and free food. Why? Because he found a place of refuge in our home. Just like all of us have found a place of refuge in the heart of Jesus. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our strong tower. He is our deliverer. He is our fortress. He is our shield. He is, he is our stronghold. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Anybody who is sick of sin, anybody who is running from something, find a place of refuge in Jesus. Maybe you're broken today. Maybe something's hurting you. I don't think there's a person here that hasn't had COVID or touched by COVID or know somebody that lost somebody by COVID. And if it's not COVID, it's by violence. But let me tell you what. Still away home. Still away home. Still away home to Jesus. Hallelujah. Our refuge and our strength. In fact, it sounds so good that if people, if you're going through something at home, who isn't going through a hurricane? Who isn't going, you know, the best thing to do, if you don't want trouble, go up to a mountaintop and live by yourself. You know, if you want refuge and go in the cave, be careful, man. There might be a bear in there. And when you come to Jesus, we come home. Reminds me of my wife and running around with these youngsters, we put a lot into these youngsters, trying to save them. And one time my wife was in the van running around Keystone and they saw some of these kids in there that are from the neighborhood and they start chasing Pastor Rita around the neighborhood, chasing them out of Sears Street. <laughs> and I always told my boys, don't come through Sears Street, come through the back. You know, if you're coming through the, come by Carson Park, come by Bolsa. You know, nobody knows what will happen there in the middle of the night, and they don't know who it is. They chased Rita. Rita was running around like a crazy lady. She ran all the way to Wilmington in the car down Avalon, turned around, carriage crest, came running around back, Sepulveda, ran down Main Street, and they were chasing her. She was driving like a crazy woman. She said, where do I go? Somebody said, go to the police station. And she found refuge right there in the, by and started tooting the horn. They left her alone. Another time, the kids were in the neighborhood were chasing David and Anthony, his friend from um, over here on the uh, Victoria VP side. Well, he wasn't VP, but he lived in VP, and they're chasing him around the neighborhood. And I found out about it. I went knocking on all the homes of the people that know Pastor, whose children was in the gang. Do not chase my kids. Don't do that. Oh, Pastor, we don't do it again. They never did again. But when we're in trouble, where do we go? 
When we were gasping for breath on COVID, who do we call? Jesus. I mean, before we got to the hospital, I was talking to Jesus, the main doctor, the one with balm from Gilead, who began healing in my lungs before I even got there. Pastor Josh, you don't know how bad he was. You're lucky you have a pastor. I said, no, no, I ain't going to do that no more. I'm done with that. Lord, heal him. Pastor Josh was bad. Koba, he doesn't like to admit it. Pastor Koba had it. We all had it. From Kai Kai to Seattle. But we're done. COVID's coming out. Jesus is coming in. So, you know, this whole idea of refuge reminds me of uh, one of the greatest hurricanes in the history of the, of, of, of the Western Hemisphere called Hurricane Dorian. And uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sean Collins at that time uh, was tracking hurricanes with the United States Air Force. This hurricane was so huge that it destroyed all of the Bahamas, destroyed them, 70,000 people without shelter, hundreds of people dead wreaked havoc in the Caribbean. The hurricane winds swirling around the center were 185 miles an hour. It raged for eight days. With those winds whirling around 185 miles an hour, but the hurricane was moving at 15 miles an hour, just destroying everything in its path. And they were studying hurricanes. He said that they flew over the the bank of clouds, and in the center of the hurricane, there was 32 miles of clear blue sky, of calm, of peace, of seagulls flying in the eye of the hurricane, of perfect peace. At night, he said they could look from their plane and see the bank, circular bank of clouds, but they could see the stars. But on the ground, It was destroying everything in its path. As these winds whipped around 185 miles an hour, they flew 19 missions in the eye of the hurricane. No plane was lost because it was so peaceful and calm and beautiful. The colors were wonderful. And they could see the circle of the eye of the hurricane. But they couldn't see the turmoil below because they were in the calm. And I want you to know that the eye, that life is a hurricane. And that illness, drugs, addiction, brokenness, hatred between family and family, ugly immorality, addictions that can't be overcome, Marriages that can't be fixed. And when the couple comes to church, it's too late to save it. If they had only known that in the eye of the hurricane, while everything is whirling around us and the circumstances of life are trying to take our eyes away from the answer, 
in the middle of your problems, in the middle of my sickness and my sin and my failures, in the middle of my brokenness, there's a place that we could run to. And that place is the heart of Jesus. That place is the heart of Jesus. So today I'm just reminding everybody that there's a place near Jesus. There's a book written, written by Carter. A man named Carter on the life of C.H. Spurgeon, the, one of the greatest preachers of all time. That's been my model in ministry, preaching. Who was a great preacher in the late 1800s during the time of slavery. He was in England. He was called the Prince of Preachers. And he wrote against slavery and racism and oppression of the plantation owners against their slaves. But all the Presbyterians and the Methodists and the Baptists and all those uh, denominations, who I don't accuse today of anything like that. But in those days, the plantation owners belonged to those churches. And they whipped the slaves. And they beat them. And in some cases killed them if they tried to escape from their plantation. And the story goes that um, this one plantation owner had a slave named Thomas Johnson. It's a true story. Thomas Johnson. Thomas Johnson thought about trying to escape, but he was afraid of what would happen if they caught him with dogs. So he stayed. But in the plantation, there was a black man, an old black man. His name was Ezekiel. And he had a little hut in the forest that he had built near the plantation. He ran the slaves for the owner. He was the one that gave the directions for the field work. But in his hut, on Saturday nights, when the plantation owners were banqueting and dining, and the slaves had time off, They knew where to go to find refuge. And it was Ezekiel's hut where Ezekiel preached the gospel to them in whispers with no lights in the dark. Thomas Johnson gave his heart to Jesus in that hut of Ezekiel's. Came to know the Lord. The plantation owner said, Thomas, you need to help me gather up all my books by that great preacher, C.H. Spurgeon from London, who writes against oppression and slavery. All, all the people, the pastors and the people of that city in Virginia are going to gather all of C.H. Spurgeon's books and tracts and have a Spurgeon burnout and burn all his books. So they brought them all and burned C.H. Spurgeon's book in a heap. And Thomas was able to read one of those books. And when the Declaration Proclamation came and the emancipation came of the slaves, he went to Chicago. And from Chicago, he wrote a letter to the Prince of Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon, and said, may I come to study at your college in London? That black slave was now a free preacher. And C.H. Spurgeon gave him a scholarship and he became one of C.H. Spurgeon's closest friends that was there when C.H. Spurgeon passed away. And 
he returned home to Chicago to continue his ministry among the blacks in Chicago. Thomas Johnson. And today, let me remind you that whatever rages around you, whatever burdens or brokenness you carry, steal away home to Jesus.